please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story, and I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. Get your popcorn ready. It's game time, baby. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome a team that is known as Stoppers. Stoppers. The Athletic presents Hogan Johns. Every single play, go take it. Bring that juice. Let's go get it. Come on. Chicago's best Bears coverage. Go Bears. Go Bears. From NBC Sports Chicago, it's Adam Hogue. I do think he has the support of his teammates. Why would you not be rooting for him to succeed? And from The Athletic, it's Adam Johns. I don't mean to psychoanalyze this stuff, but this is what we do in Chicago. This is what we do with our quarterbacks. And this is the biggest story in town. Here they are. What's up? Welcome in Hogan Johns with you one more time during what was sort of the offseason program and now they break. Sort of. They've they've been broken. Broken? Is that broken up? Gone? That's right. They, they actually yeah, yeah. They stopped last week. Yeah. Broken is not the way to put it. But yeah, they've... Although the rookies are doing some things, I believe, up until next week. I'm not sure. This Zoom's just throwing us all off, Adam. Hey, we're all we're all dealing with it. We're all good, and we have more Zoom conversations to bring you today. As uh, earlier in the week, we we talked offense. We had a chance to talk to the offensive coaches, uh, a lot of them for the first time. Bill Lazor, the OC, and uh, while most of the defensive staff, these are guys you've heard of before, but they then uh, talked yesterday. And uh, so today's going to be more of a defensive podcast for you. Welcome in. Follow us on Twitter at Adam Hogue, H-O-G-E, at Adam Johns, J-A-H-N-S. You can read us. I am at NBCSportsChicago.com. And, of course, John Z, all his stuff is on The Athletic, The Athletic app. You should be subscribed. TheAthletic.com slash Hogan Johns is where you do that. Uh, please rate and review the podcast. We appreciate you doing that to help support and uh, – you know, get it ranked highly in certain places that matter. More people listen to it. And that's great. That means more podcasts for you in the end. Our producer is Kent Garrison. He always does such a great job putting this all together for you. And uh, especially under these times with Zoom meetings and it's not being all in the same place. Uh, he's been doing a tremendous job over the last few months. All right, Johns, uh, where do you want to start? So let's start with the superstar, Khalil Mack. Uh Big topic of conversation uh, with the outside linebackers coach, head defensive assistant, the longest title in the book, uh, Ted Monachino, uh, and then Chuck Pagano talked about Khalil Mack as well. Yeah, we got to hear a little bit about Mack's offseason. Um, I, I wasn't necessarily surprised by anything, but it was interesting hearing uh, Ted Monachino and, and Chuck Pagano talk about Khalil Mack. Obviously, Last year, we were going to be, be honest about Max's career. Yeah. Last year was really his uh, his worst season since his rookie year. Even though I think you know we broke that down a lot during the season, the, um, the loss of Akeem Hicks and the injuries all over the place. He wasn't one hundred percent. It was a bad uh, bad formula. But uh, here is Ted Monachino, the Bears outside linebackers coach, the the position coach for Khalil Mack, uh, talking about the Bears superstar. Khalil, from a down-in and down-out standpoint, played really good football for us uh, over and over and over again every week. Uh, the one thing that I will say is that when you talk about a guy not meeting expectations, um, I assume that you're talking about pass rush numbers and, and 
productive rushes and finishes. Um, I know that that's a, a situation we'd all like to get fixed sooner than later. But what I will tell you is uh, his lack of effort, that never showed. Uh, there was never that. Uh, his approach to his weekly plan and, and to uh, his attention to detail as a rusher never waned. Um, I, I can't really attribute uh, a lower sack number to one thing or another. I just know that uh, going into 2020, that's a high, high priority for all of us, uh, especially for Khalil. Nobody wants to be um, better and dominant down in and down out than Khalil Mack. And uh, he is in the process of putting together a really good offseason. Uh, he's, he's training like I have never seen anybody train before, and he is preparing to um, be as good as he possibly can be once 2020 starts. John, I think the one thing we've come to to know and appreciate about Khalil Mack is he holds himself to an incredibly high standard. And um, even though you know his down year last year was not necessarily all his fault by any means, uh, I, I I buy what Ted Monachino is saying when you know he talks about the way that the Mack is training right now. Yes, here's the thing: like his Khalil Mack's down year. For a lot of the the majority of the league, like his down year is what what you would call uh, a solid year or an outstanding year for some players across the league. Like if Cleo Mack, if Leonard Floyd had the year that Cleo Mack had last year, he'd still be on this team. Like like that's just <laughs> that's just one way to put it. Like he had eight and a half sacks. If you look at some of the advanced statistics, his hurries were still amongst. The, the league leaders, but when you have this bar set where like your your defensive player of the year or bust, of course you're going to see certain numbers as down. And yes, there's some t- statistical evidence of that. And, and yes, he wasn't always, you know, making an impact in every single snap. But like, you, you don't want to digress away from the, the actual you know player. Like he's an outstanding football player, and teams were allowed to. To take him out with with scheme and coaching just because of other issues on on the Bears' defense, you know. But the reality is, I think Max Mac understands this. I mean, his that trade and that contract is a big reason why the Bears, you know, couldn't do more than they did this offseason. It's why, um, it's why he got traded in the first place because you you it's almost impossible to pay a quarterback big money and a star defensive player like that. And um, so, you know, I would argue he deserves every penny he gets because he's that good. But there's an expectation that comes with that, that you really need to be 2018 Khalil Mack all the time. Right, right. And even if there are fair excuses, Keem Hicks getting hurt, being banged up yourself, those are all things that happen in the NFL. There's still, I think, um, a responsibility that he feels to continue to deliver, understanding that's not just about him making the money he does, but the way it impacts the way the rest of the team. Yeah, yeah. It's passers and pass rushers. I'll say this about the Bears, though. They don't have a passer that's worthy of being paid right now, so I don't mind paying <laughs> the pass rusher. That's a good point. Uh, here's more Monachino on uh, Cleo Mack. Uh, I just know that this has been 
an off season where we've been in pretty consistent com, uh, communication back and forth. Um, he is, he's working his tail off. I know that he's found places to work out and fields to, to work on some of the space things. Um, just his motivation is not an issue with Khalil never has been, but what I'll tell you is uh, he has approached this off season uh, with something to prove. And uh, that's, something that I think we all can be encouraged by. I think that that's something that's exciting when a player of his caliber uh, approaches his work the way he has approached it. Uh, that's number one. Number two, I would say that uh, during this virtual off-season program, um, he has done uh, a remarkable job of uh, starting conversation, asking questions, not only of me and of, of Coach Shuey, but of the other players in the meeting. Uh, he has done an, an amazing job of leading them and and giving them insight into what his process is. Uh, I just think that this is a, a, a special guy that has something to prove and, and has approached the last several months with a chip on his shoulder, and uh, I think that's good for everybody. And here's the defensive coordinator, Chuck Pagano, on Khalil. Yeah, um, you know, there's a lot of things, you know, that that go into that and you can look and say, uh, go back and say, well, how many times, you know, was he doubled and was he tripled? You know, um, did they leave an extra protector in there? How many times, you know, did he get, did he get singled? Uh, how many of those times did he, did he win? Um, you know, how many times did I go back? You know, first thing you do is you look at yourself and say, from a call standpoint, uh, I know I'll be better and can be better to, to put him and put the rest of the guys in position to be successful. So a lot of that falls, you know, on myself. And uh, I know Ted talked about, you know, protectors and protections and things like that. So a lot of that falls on me and I, I take responsibility for that and I'm accountable for that. Um, you know, Khalil would never say that. He would, he would just say, Hey, look, I, I got to win. I got to be better. I don't care how many guys they put on me, you know? So um, coaching secondary, you know, my entire uh, career and being on defense and being back there, you know, I've had seasons where, you know, in Cleveland, we had 33 interceptions, you know, and led the league. And then I've been at other places with different players where we, we didn't have so many. And sometimes they, they come in bushel basketfuls, uh, and sometimes they, they don't. And uh, so I think it's a byproduct of uh, a lot of different things again, but I just think you, you got a really talented football player. That's uh, really, really eager like the rest of them to get back on the, on the football field and, and compete and, uh, and win and uh, do it at a high level. Adam, a few thoughts on this. The, the idea of a more motivated Mac, it's pretty scary, right? Like just in terms of, <laughs> yes, he's a darn good football player. And to, to see him almost be, sounds like he's almost angry and incensed by maybe the conversation of his, his 2019 season. So that that's a scary proposition for any quarterback the Bears are about to face. Um, second, I like that Chuck Pagano is, is taking blame on this because I, I feel like, yeah, scheme is a factor in this, and, and maybe there was a bit of a transition with him replacing Vic Fangio. But I would counter with this, and I know Leonard Floyd's name was brought up, and we're not going to play the sound bites of Monachino and Pagano assessing Leonard Floyd, but he got one-on-one opportunities last season, and Leonard Floyd lost those one-on-one opportunities. And this is why, um, again, this is a good another point of conversation we're about to have now. This is why Robert Quinn is here. He he is now 
the 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 partner in crime. You know, the the tandem, the the di- dynamic duo that you want with Cleo Mack. It didn't work out with with um. It didn't work out with Leonard Floyd, so you got this dynamic duo now of Robert Quinn and Khalil Mack, which could possibly form maybe the most feared pass rushing tandem in the league. Well, especially when you consider Keem Hicks and Eddie Goldman on the inside. You know, I think I think that's what I. You know, on offense, we're kind of guessing, and and it's a little bit more of just like hope that they figure it out, right? That hope that the quarterback uh, plays better, whichever one it is. Hope that the running game comes around. You know, when I look at this defense, I see really clear, tangible evidence that it's still going to be a really good unit. I mean, look at the fact that what we're talking about right now, Khalil Mack had a down year. Keem Hicks basically missed the year. Leonard Floyd didn't provide much. They were still a pretty good defense. Danny like, Trevathan, dislocated elbow. And they were still... And that's why, like, I don't... I appreciate Chuck Pagano as a coach, you know, putting some of the blame on himself, but I don't think he did a bad job last year. I, they... That was still a good unit. Wasn't a dominant unit. Wasn't the same unit we saw in 2018. But when you really factor all the hurdles, I would be encouraged that... Getting a Khalil Mack that's, you know, seems angry and ready to to come back strong. Akeem Hicks just out there on the field. Danny Trevathan out there. Um, you know, at some point, age is going to factor in, and I don't know when that's going to be. Trevathan is over 30. Robert Quinn was an older signing. Um, they paid him a lot of money. Akeem Hicks, at some point, you know, it's just a matter of time. It, unfortunately, in the NFL, things start to break down. I don't necessarily think that's going to be 2020, but it is something that has to be factored. I just, I think there's a lot of, you look at the depth on the defense, the players who are actually there. This should be a really good team. Oh, really good defense. Especially up front. And that's where it all yeah. starts. Well, we, we know that. They were a top 10 defense last year, despite everything yeah. you just listed. Think about that. To me, Robert Quinn is... an upgrade over Leonard Floyd. And that upgrade may only be for two or three seasons, but the numbers are there. The the advanced numbers are there. In terms of getting one-on-one matchups, Robert Quinn is one of the best pass rushers if you get him in those situations. And you know Chuck Pagano got Leonard Floyd in those situations. It's going to be, uh, you know, on myself and, and our staff to uh, put all of our players in the, in the best possible position to be successful. And so we'll be smart about that. Um, there'll be some adjustment for him. I remember going to uh, Indy in 2012 and, uh, you know, calling Robert Mathis in and having a discussion, uh, you know, about playing the outside linebacker spot in a 3-4 and on all the things that, uh, that come with that uh, job title and, you know, he wasn't under contract at the time, and it took it took a long time, uh, a lot of film, a lot of dialogue, you know, to uh, to get him to to say, okay, uh, I'm in, I can I can handle that job description. So um, there's definitely some hurdles to get over, uh, but we'll do we'll do the right thing uh, for for Robert. We'll do the right thing for the for the entire defense to put them all in the best possible position to be successful. So we're gonna give you some stats. 
real quick uh, on what Ra- Robert Mathis did when he was well, he was a defensive end, transitioned to outside linebacker. So this is in 2012. With Give them to me, Chuck Pagano. All right, first season, 31 years old, Robert Mathis, eight sacks. 2013, 32 years old, Robert Mathis, 19 and a half sacks. If that's Chuck Pagano's comparison on this, in terms of age, in terms of position switch, in terms of scheme changes and that transition that Robert Quinn is going to go through, I think that sounds very encouraging uh, to any Bears fans. And again, very scary in terms of of what you're going to be dealing with for any opposing offenses this year against the Bears. 19 and a half sacks at 32 years old. And that would be his 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11th season in the NFL. That was a career high for him in his 11th season, 19 and a half sacks. If if Robert Quinn gets 19 and a half sacks this year, I'll jump in Lake Michigan and it'll be winter when that happens. Oh, 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 hold on. Th- this is <laughs> this is on record. Yeah. So like uh what what's the the polar plunge or whatever they call that? You're gonna right. do it? Yeah. So yes. I'll attach some charity to it too. We'll make it a thing. Good. But, good. I like that. Yeah. Even better. So on June nineteenth, twenty twenty well, 19 and a half sacks. Come on, let's, let's make it a little bit more reasonable. I'm, I'm no, all... no, 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 no. That's the number. <laughs> that's the number that you brought up with Robert Mathis. So that's the, you know. I, I would say maybe in, within the range of eight and the 19 and a half in, in the two, his first two years playing outside linebacker for Chuck Pagano. But okay, yeah. you know, you're scared about the, the cold. I get it. It's okay. I'm not scared. I just, I, my point is that this this is a huge number. So, you know. <laughs> I don't. I'm just more context for the conversation. Yeah, exactly. All right, here's Ted Monachino on Robert Quinn. When the Bears signed Robert Quinn, the the beauty of that was it was a a decision that we all came to. It was um, based on a lot of different factors. Uh, this is a player that we believe can come in and fit into number one, fit into the system. Number two, make us better in a lot of different areas. Um, and that's not to take anything away from any player that was here in the past. Uh, but what I will tell you is um, as we move forward as a group, uh, not only as an outside linebacker group, but as a defense, uh, we're going to find more and more ways for guys to do what they do best most often. And when they're doing that, uh, we assume production will follow. Um, this is this is a, a special situation uh, with two guys that have had uh, outstanding careers in a lot of different ways. And uh, like, the, like I said before, the best part is uh, we've added another really great pro into the room that uh, is not only going to do a great job of making everyone around him better, but he's going to hold himself to, to a really high standard every day from a work ethic standpoint, from a preparation standpoint. I've spent more time, and, and Bill Shuey spent more time with Robert Quinn uh, than we have spent with uh, a lot of guys all inside the window of time that we're allowed but Robert asks a lot of really good questions. He wants to be good, and he wants to be good in this system, and, and he wants that to happen right away. Well, it'll be interesting to see. Um, I I agree that I think he's an upgrade. I I, I just – I am a little skeptical that everybody's going to stay healthy, but I guess that's for every season. And um, 
we could always at any point when we bring up that these days dive into a huge tangent about coronavirus I mean, which was a conversation yesterday. Not only did you have Dr. Fauci come out saying that the NFL needs to be in a bubble, um, you have a lot of evidence that there's going to be a, another wave coming this fall. And just three days after the Tampa Bay Buccaneers coaches return to their facility, uh, one test positive and two are in isolation. I mean, it this... We're going to learn a lot from these other sports as they try to come back, especially with the NBA trying to come back in Orlando where Florida's blowing up. It's just this whole year is going to be, I don't know. I wish I was more optimistic yeah. than I am, John. <laughs> I, I, I'm 100% convinced football is coming back. I am too. Just, just hey, let the NFL tell you. They're, they're in the NFL world. They're like, there's no coronavirus. No, it, it seems I, yeah, like. Oh yeah, but in, in terms of Texas. Increase in cases, Florida, increase in cases, Arizona, increase in cases. Correct me if I'm wrong, Adam, but I think all three of those states have um, NFL teams. Some of them maybe more than one. I'm not sure. Yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong, but um, it's, it's going to come back. It's going to be, and you know, there's talk about increasing, increasing the size of the, the practice squads. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I don't, speaking of second wave, I don't think we're done with the first wave personally, but, you know. No. You know, I'm not a That's math- what Dr. Fauci said that the other yeah, day, yeah, too. I heard that. I'm not a mathematician. I'm not a scientist, but I, I read, and that's that's what I think. <laughs> you can read? Uh, yes, I, I'm reading a lot lately. Well, that's good. Um, well, speaking of reads, we got to talk to uh, talk about our friends at Hawthorne. You're a pro. Right now, You're John's. such a pro. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, smelling good. We've been telling you this. It's uh, I, This really shouldn't be controversial, but uh, smelling good is important adam johns hawthorne smells really good and it's so easy to get their cologne and this is obviously your your last chance if you haven't bought dad or, or your brother or your father or someone else in, in important in your life uh, uh that your gift yet for for this weekend this is your opportunity to to get dad grandpa or, or whomever uh something that makes him smell good during this hot, muggy summer, we're all about to enter. Yeah, I mean, I think we're in it today. Um, but uh, this is how it works. You, you take a quick two-minute quiz. Hawthorne tells you the two colognes that are best for you. One for work and one for play. So you got a couple options here. It's totally risk-free with free shipping and free returns. So you can't beat that. You check out Hawthorne at hawthorne.co. That's Hawthorne with an E and .co, not .com. Hawthorne.co and use our promo code BEARS to get 10% off your first purchase. That's Hawthorne.co and use the promo code BEARS to get 10% off your first purchase. Hawthorne.co. All right. There's another player on the Bears defense, Johnsy, that I know you have been very interested in his off season. Um, Kentrell I, Bryce. No. <laughs> yep. I mean, That's me. <laughs> I'm feeling bad now, but go on. <laughs> we can talk about Kentrell Bryce if you want. Um, no, it's uh, a guy by the name of Roquan Smith, who you may have heard of. Uh, uh, yeah. 
Roquan Smith, I still believe, is going to be really good at football. I think he is really good at football. I think, um, I think like so many other uh, people in whatever walk of life they're in, you have some maturing to do in your you know early twenties, and uh, I know I certainly did, and I think you know that's the the one thing that. We we sometimes ignore with these players when they're drafted. Look at Roquan Smith, man. He and Quentin Nelson were the two guys in that draft that I just said these are as safe of picks as they come. They're both going to be really good players. And um, I, I Quentin, Quentin Nelson certainly taken off in Indy on that offensive line, and and Roquan Smith has had games where he looks like the best player on the field. So I think it's just a matter of bottling all that up, being more consistent. Yes, absolutely. And, and last year, look, he had his personal issues. His rookie year, he had his his contract impasse. So there's more to the conversation with Roquan Smith than than maybe other players. Uh, that's just how it's it's worked out. That's not to, to to fault him. It's just how things tend to go with, with certain players in the NFL sometimes. But it, it, like it just to, related to the Mac conversation a little bit. Like before Mac was acquired, Roquan Smith as a top ten pick, the number eight overall pick, was supposed to be this game changing, dynamic force in the middle of the the Bears defense. And you're right, Adam. Sometimes you saw that became an instant starter. You saw the speed, the sideline, the sideline speed. You saw some interceptions made after he didn't have any interceptions in Georgia. You saw glimpses of promise, hope, and like, oh, this guy's going to be special. You saw the tackles after tackles. Like, he, he, he built them up. He, uh, they, they, he was a machine in some regard, but you're still left wanting more. And I think that's where we are with the Roquan Smith conversation is can he find that next step? And I think a lot of, like, it's on him now. He's had good coaching. He's had uh, support from his team. It's on him to find that next step. Well, I just go back to you know his rookie year. Remember, he didn't start that first game uh, against the Packers. Uh, Nick Kwiatkowski did, and Nick Kwiatkowski proved to be a pretty good player, and he went on to get paid by the Raiders. But I remember us. I remember writing. I remember us talking about it on this podcast. It was really evident right away that Roquan Smith needed to be the starter. Going, I mean, he was just that good, and uh, he made that that type of impact right away. Now it's just a matter of, you know, reaching that next level. And for a lot of players, it just sometimes they don't always realize their full talent. And it's almost a little unfair right now to Roquan Smith because I think he's already a good player. I just think he can be a really, 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 really good player. Yes. Like it's one of the all-time great. Linebackers first franchise that has a ton of all-time great linebackers. You know what I mean? Like I just I have really high expectations for this kid, and just like we talked about with Khalil Mack earlier, he holds himself to that standard. And I think it's a matter of the player figuring out when and if to hold himself to that standard. And I think if Roquan Smith starts to do that, he can have a huge breakout season, which is something. That Mark DeLeon, his inside linebackers coach, uh, talked about yesterday when he spoke with reporters. Like I know, I think Roe made the uh, 
I want to say he said chip on his shoulder. Uh, and I feel that. Uh, I think he has that. Because, uh, you know, the thing is, Roe played some really good football last year. Uh, I, I don't want that to get lost in the shuffle. He, he had some excellent games. Uh, and um, I, I think that the big thing this year is just going to be we got we to gotta make that consistent and we got to have that be every game. I think we all know that. Uh, but this is uh, the, going into his third year. This is a big year for him. Uh, he knows that. Uh, and I think it, it doesn't – I think it takes at the linebacker position, I do feel like uh, there's a, a, a gradual level uh, where, where he's getting better. And I think going into year three, he's going to have a chance to have a breakout year this year. But he has been uh, outstanding uh, this offseason. I think he's been phenomenal. Uh, physically with his rehab and mentally with me. I'm very proud of him, and I'm really excited about the direction he's going. Johns, your thoughts on uh, – I mean, it's it's the inside linebacker coach talking about a breakout year for Roquan Smith. Well, I like the – like Mark DeLeon is always so positive, even like last year – when Rokon was having his his ups and downs, especially like he he had an awful two game stretch, right? Mm-hmm. Who, who, was, who was it against? It was against the Raiders. Why am I forgetting the the second team, the uh, Chargers? No. Uh, well, that would have been against the Saints. Yeah, no, the Saints. The Saints was the really bad film. I remember you and I watched. We were actually looking at some plays together after that, and like I I remember you. There was one specific play you pulled it up and you like brought it over to me in the media room, like. Look at Roquan stop his feet here. Like yeah. just something was not right. That's not how he plays. He plays no. fast. No. You want to be downhill. And, and, and knowing what Ryan Pace likes about his linebackers, he wants them attacking. He wants them going downhill. And Roquan Smith, his eighth overall pick, just wasn't doing that, especially for, for two consecutive games, uh, two really bad losses as well. Um so I, I like the positivity. I, I like that there seems to be a level of expectation, and I think it's been relayed very specifically to Roquan Smith. And I, I don't know if he needed it, but he seems to have, as in terms of using the the cliche chip on your on, on his shoulder, like it's it's there and it needs to be there and it needs to be there all season, really. One of my biggest frustrations that uh, is already starting to settle in. It's just, look, we're, we're used to this time of year. Everything's positive. Um, no one's going to say a bad thing about anyone. There's no tape to analyze, right? Um, you know, usually we'd be watching some practices. Now, those practices, they would not be wearing pads, hardly going full speed. So anything we see out there, you know, you take with a grain of salt, but you, you pick up on some things, right? You do pick up on, on a few things when it really becomes valuable is training camp when they are in pads and you get a better idea at the speed that the players are playing at. Um, and I think right now there's a really good chance that we're not going to see any of that this year. And very good chance. On top of that, you know, and I'm, trust me, I'm, get rid of the preseason as far as I'm concerned in most years. But if we're not going to be able to watch practices, 
I mean, I want six preseason games then, right? <laughs> I need to be able to see something to have any idea what's going on uh, with these players' development. And we're probably going to have less. I mean, we're probably going to have two preseason games if I had to guess right now. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and, and so the evaluation, uh, whether we're talking about Roquan Smith at linebacker, uh, whether we're talking about Jalen Johnson, who I want to get to here in a second, too, at corner, uh, whether we're talking about this quarterback. I mean, we're talking about a huge quarterback battle that's about to take place, and we might not see any of it, really. Right, right. I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm sort of going off on a tangent here about, you know, how much this whole situation sucks, but it also applies, I don't know, it's it's going to be tough, and we're, we're going off a lot of what these players and coaches have to say, and that's always dangerous, um, so it's going to be interesting. You know what I want to see from, from Roquan Smith is you mentioned earlier earlier uh, about him being maybe the next in line with with all the all-time greats, right? So if you think of Dick Buckus, let's, let's start with Bill George. Bill George, Dick Buckus, Mike Singletary, Brian Urlacher, Lance Briggs. All of these guys, beyond being great football players, great linebackers, smart football players, there are some intangible qualities to them. Like that that's why they are legends for this organization. That that's why they are Hall of Famers. And Lance Briggs, in my opinion, should be a Hall of Famer. That that's that's why those guys are so special. There are some intangible qualities. And Roquan Smith, when he was drafted, they pointed at some of those things. But when Danny Trevathan gets re-signed, and, he, and you know he has some of those heart and soul qualities about him, the real vocal leader of the defense, you almost wonder whether or not the Bears now have doubts if that can come out of Roquan Smith. Get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And I know all guys are different, but if he's going to be that next all-time great, some of that has to come out. And I think he has some of that. I, I, I think... To, to be fair, I, I think some of that's maybe overlooked as a part of him. I, I think he's got some natu- natural charisma. I think he's got some some qualities that, that draw guys to him. Maybe he needs to exude that a bit more. But what's interesting is you brought up Danny Trevathan. I was starting to think, I, I believe that part of the evaluation and decision-making process to bring Trevathan back actually had to do with Roquan not necessarily because of what you just said, but because I I think they believe Trevathan can get the most out of Roquan. Yeah, you know, I mean the 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 kind of the leader and the bonding that I think has occur- has occurred there between those two. That you know, Roquan still has a lot to learn, and he can learn it from Danny Trevathan. And I I think. I think that had a lot to do with it because I'm not sure Roquan was ready to just kind of take over if they went in a different direction or, you know, even with Nick Kwiatkowski out there, if they decided to resign Nick instead of Danny, um, I, I think they still look at Danny Trevathan as some, somewhat of a mentor, Roquan Smith, who could still help bring all that out of him. Right. I think there are some, some intangibles definitely taken into consideration when the Bears decided to to stick with Trevathan and let Kukowski leave in free agency. Yeah. I mean, there's also the fact that Trevathan's your starter and Kukowski was a backup. He played well, played like a starter, but Trevathan was your starter. <laughs> yeah. You get what I'm saying? And you're right. There's some intangible qualities there 
that were taken into a, taken into account with the Bears' decision to bring back Danny Trevathan. And, and you're right, a lot of it I do think is the connection in bringing out the best in Roquan Smith and him finding that next level. All right, last player I want to talk about the Bears. I think he's a huge player. I think he's a he's a critical player. The Bears drafted Jalen Johnson in the second round, and we, at the time, uh, sort of all came to the conclusion that this was this was somebody that had first round talent. The injuries knocked him back. He certainly, to me, projects as one of these early players, like one of these guys that gets on the field quickly and has a a real shot to start right away for the Chicago Bears. Um, Hard to do that without practices. So at this point, I'm not sure much has changed since the draft, but I am curious to see what the first impressions of Jalen Johnson are, even though there has not been any practices. And here is what Chuck Pagano said about the rookie. You know, from the football IQ stuff and the football character, um, just sitting – uh, back and you know the coaches talked about the amount of time that they had you know during this virtual offseason program uh, to conduct the position meetings more time than normal because you usually go into Hallis Hall in a normal situation where you come in and you have X amount of time in a classroom then you have a walkthrough then you go on the practice field and all that stuff so without the weight room without the walkthroughs and, and all those things it was just uh, a lot of individual meeting time so um he asks the right questions. You know, there's a lot of times where, especially for young players, they they don't know uh, what to ask. Uh, you know, so I, I, I know that he's been exposed to some really good football and had good coaches there, you know, at, at Utah. And um, so he, he gets football and he asks the right questions. So just sitting in those meetings and listening to him uh, talk, the dialogue uh, going back and forth between, you know, him and Deshae was, was intriguing and exciting. And then from a, you know, skill set standpoint, you know, he can, he has, uh, you know, the talent to, to go out and, and do all the things uh, that we're going to ask him to do from a, from a coverage standpoint, uh, run support standpoint. Um, he can run. He's got good length. Uh, he can play up. He can play off. Um, he can read the three-step. He's really good at uh, plant and drive, uh, you know, breaking, breaking downhill on the, on the three-step. Um, Playing, playing with, with you know, uh, good eyes and, and good feet and, and all those kind of things. And Deshae hit on those. But uh, he's a talented guy and he's a, he's a smart guy. And, again, those guys are going to be behind, obviously, with, uh, you know, no, no off-season program. Just the, the whole feel of, you know, you know, driving up to the building, going in the building, going through, you know, you know cafeteria and then the weight room, the training room, and that, that whole process. They don't, they don't have any clue yet. You know, we did virtually the best that we could, but, you know, until that happens, you know, there's there's going to be a learning curve there. But I think um, he'll be ahead of it just because of, you know, his football uh, IQ and acumen and, and things like that. Was Chuck Magano secretly on Deshae Townsend's call? <laughs> How do you know what Deshae said? Yes, yes. I, I think he listened to him. Um you know, if you scroll through those, Adam, you know, if you do the gallery view, there's a lot of people that are uh, hiding and listening. Yes. Yes. I've taken notice, including some reporters, I want to add, you know, not the name names if it, you're you're hiding out there. But um, Wait, reporters that are hiding and listening? Yes. Why would they be yes. hiding? I don't know. I don't know. Um, it's okay. It's okay. Um, so, 
Jalen Johnson, starter in, in week one if he's healthy. That's my prediction. I don't think it's too bold or anything like that. I think the talent is there. You heard Chuck Pagano kind of highlight the the work ethic and the like. If you, if you just read things about Johnson in terms of what he was at Utah, it, it's the, his study habits. This this guy would not only work his tail off on the field, but he would grind away on that tape. And, and that's where he seemed to separate himself. And he was in a lot of, a lot of man-to-man situations up at Utah. That'll be different for him, I, I mean, I'm sure. But just in terms of potentially having a, another lockdown corner, because Kyle Fuller, he's a high-end corner. I don't know if he's quite the lockdown guy. You know, the Bears might have something here in their second-round pick. I think so. Uh, again, and... I'm going to try my best not to complain about this stuff because everybody's dealing with different things in their jobs, but it's going to be hard to know, um, and there's going to be a lot of guessing here. But I, I, I do like Jalen Johnson's film. I like the fit. I Again, if he's healthy, I think there's a good chance he's starting. Um, all right, well, we got a lot on the defense there, and I feel like you know most of this offseason has been more about the offense, so it was good to talk to these assistants in, in Chuck Pagano and get an idea of you know their thoughts on where their players are at at this point. Um, the Bears are officially off right now, uh, at least the players, and July 20th seems to be a target date for when teams will reconvene for training camp. Uh, it's basically a month away. Boy, I hope so. I hope so. It's <laughs> It's... Uh, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be very inter- interesting, and it figures, John's that the uh, the baseball season will most likely start the same week the training camp starts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sixty After game season, sixty sixty two game season, something like that, right? Um, which is fine. I've I've argued for a long time that baseball should actually be shorter, one hundred sixty two games. There's no need for that, but I I'm getting I'm away with you. here. Yeah. No, I am with you. I am all for 120 games. Yes. 60 yes. is going to be a heck of a sprint. I'm going to yes. embrace it. I think it's going to be fun, but that is going to be a heck of a sprint. But, it should um, be fun. Yeah. By the way, if I can get one quick plug in, I do uh, I do have a story on Rick Renteria up today, NBCSportsChicago.com. So, hey, there's been a lot of crossover. You're, you're doing your Blackhawk stuff. I'm doing my White Sox stuff. We're all here talking about the Bears. Uh, but I do appreciate if you check that out. Father's Day is this weekend. Happy Father's Day, Johnsy. To all our listeners out there um, that have kids, happy Father's Day. Uh, we, you know, hey, all right, it's a different Father's Day. Usually we talk about the U.S. Open. Excited about that this weekend, but that's not really going on. Um, but I did have a, a long conversation with Rick Renteria about his father, uh, about his relationship with his kids, but also, um, you know, kind of making it relevant in today's current times. I, th- I don't think a lot of people know about Rick Renteria's background. Now, he actually grew up in Compton and as a first-generation Mexican-American, was exposed to racism and had, you know, this conversations, the tough conversations with his kids. Um, there's a lot in there, and I hope you'll check that out. Uh, it's certainly relevant to today's times and it being Father's Day weekend. So uh, you can check that out, NBCSportsChicago.com. As for us, we'll be back next week. We have uh, a special interview coming for you next week. Sort of along the same lines of what I was just talking about. And um, 
we'll just, I'm, just leave that as a tease right now, huh, Johns? Yes. But uh, it's it's already been recorded, and we're going to bring it to you uh, next week as the Bears officially break for the summer. We uh, will probably dial it down to one podcast a week here. Uh, this is usually the the one month of the entire year where we, we kind of disappear. We're not planning on disappearing completely, um, but we are, we're going to dial back a little bit. We will have an episode for you this coming week, though, with a special interview that I really, really, really hope you listen to. It's really good, and, uh, and you can check that out this coming week. See ya. Well, that wasn't the goodbye yet. <laughs> no. I'm already gone. I'm doing like an Ed Farmer goodbye here. Yeah. <laughs> I'm already gone. See ya. Uh, now I miss Ed Farmer. Uh, but, <laughs> uh, all right. This is the goodbye. Follow us on Twitter at Adam Hogue, H-O-G-E, at Adam Johns, J-A-H-N-S. Johns has already left us. He's on the Father's Day weekend. You can read him at theathletic.com, the athletic app. Please uh, please rate and review the podcast. We appreciate you doing that. And uh, here is your official goodbye. Right. We won this game tonight. Adam Hall will be rhetorically dancing in the, with his verbiage. Two outs. Here's Luke Boyd pinch batting. 